Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast. This is Jamie Truman, your host. Do you have a loved one with muscular dystrophy? Or have you ever heard of CRISPR gene editing? I spoke with a co-founder of Strongest Hearts, Tanya Barbera. Tanya will explain how gene editing can significantly improve the life of individuals with muscular dystrophy. You'll also hear about Tanya's personal story with her son, Jack, when he was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy as well. And you will learn all about our next Truman Charities event, which we partnered with Strongest Hearts on May 13th from 6 to 9.30 p.m. at Tommy Joe's. You will learn about some of our amazing auction items and so much more. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I cannot wait to see you at our next event for Strongest Hearts on May 13th. I wanted to talk a little bit about your background and your son and why you decided to found Strongest Hearts. Okay, so it's been a long journey for us um, and how we got to starting Strongest Hearts. Um, My son, he got all the normal milestones. He started walking when he was supposed to walk, get up. You know, everything seemed like he was hitting everything on course. Around 18 months, we noticed that he started walking on his toes a lot. We brought him to the pediatrician. The pediatrician said, oh, that's kind of normal. You know, a lot of kids, they enjoy going up on their toes. I won't be too worried about it. Well, this went on until he was about three years old. And at this point, my husband started getting really concerned because he was still walking on his toes. He would wipe out a lot. He didn't really have good center of balance. His calf muscles were becoming very overdeveloped where people were like noticing it. And so we brought her to the pediatrician again, and she was like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should go see a physical therapist. So around three, Jack started going to a physical therapist. They thought it was just what they call idiopathic toe walking, which is just like he found like kind of like pleasure or enjoyment out of going up on his toes. It was like a habit. And so we were at John Hawkins for about two years for physical therapy, and they put him in braces. He would wear braces during the day. And the reason they were doing this is they were trying to get his foot back to neutral. From walking on his toes for so long, Jack was unable to walk flat-footed. He had way overdeveloped his calves and it was causing him to have like issues tripping and he'd fall over. So they were really working on trying to get him to get back to flat foot or to neutral, as they called it. It was causing issues in his hips and other parts uh, like um, muscles were overdeveloping or some weren't developing fully. Like his core muscles, they looked like he had like a six pack, but he actually had no core strength at all. And so we were at John Hopkins for about two years and that therapist ended up leaving. And so she suggested we go to New Beginnings, which is in Columbia. So we went over to New Beginnings. And when we got there, they told us to go see a neurologist just to get it checked out because maybe it was something that wasn't idiopathic. So we saw the neurologist. They did a whole, they looked at him. He said, no, we think it's just, this is just something he's going to do. We just have to learn how to manage it. And he was like, well, you know, there's this one blood test we could give him. But, you know, the chances of him having this are 1%. So we kind of just forgot about that. And this, he was about five years old now. So we've been dealing with this since he was 18 months. So I have a little more to go. So when we got into New Beginnings, they started a regimen of PT with him, but they suggested to us doing this procedure called serial casting. 
So Jack for six to eight weeks would have to wear cast. And every week he would go in, they would put on a new cast and adjust his foot ever so slightly to try to get it back to neutral. And he had to do this every Saturday. He'd go in, they cut the cast off, they put it back on, he'd sit there for two hours, you know, a little boy playing on his tablet. And by the end of it, he was flat-footed. He could walk. It was like the first time I'd ever seen him actually walk flat-footed. And I, I cried when I saw it because, like, I'd never seen my child like this. And they were like, we were with them for another three months, and they dismissed him from PT and said, you know, it could happen when he grows again. He may go back up on his toes, but you're going to maybe have to come back in for a checkup. And so we were like, okay, that's fine. We, he was still wearing braces. We, he had always worn braces since he was young just to try to keep his foot at neutral. And so we were dismissed. And then COVID happened. And so we were at home. We were really last with him, not wearing the braces as much. And he ended up creeping back up on his toes. And he started overdeveloping his calves again. And we noticed he was having real difficulty going up and down stairs. So once we got through the COVID fog, we reconnected with New Beginnings again. He, they said they wanted to re-serial cast him. And so this was the middle of the summer before third grade. And we said to Jack, do you want to do the casting now and this summer? Or do you want to miss your soccer season in the fall? So Jack, you know, is like, I'd rather miss soccer. You know, I want to swim this summer and be with my friends. Because he'd already been through serial casting. He knew it was coming. And so we did it again. Second round of serial casting. He missed all the soccer season. He had to wear his cast for Halloween. We had to make up a makeshift cast because he was supposed to get them off in time. And he didn't because um, at that time, there were supply chain issues. They didn't want to take him out of his cast until his new braces were ready. And yeah. And so we we got him out and he was and she started questioning our physical therapist. I said, something else is going on here. Like the way he's recouping these muscles when I move his foot, I want you to go get more tests done. So she pushed us back to neurology and to the orthopedic surgeons. Orthopedic was going to look at his muscle structure to see if there was something wrong in the muscles that were caught or not his bones, his bone structures. Neurology, they wanted us to get an MRI see he had this thing called tether core. So tether core would be his spinal cord was caught in the spinal column. So whenever he grew, it would get tethered and it would kind of pull him up on his toes. So they thought that was a possibility. So they did the MRI, they had to knock him out and they found nothing. So the neurologist is like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, at the same time, my sister, who has a son who's six months younger than my son, had started walking on his toes. And I had encouraged her to take him to physical therapy. When she went to physical therapy, they pushed her also to neurology. The neurologist decided to do a blood test that we had never done. The same blood test they had mentioned four years earlier, but didn't push it. So what this blood test measures is CK levels, which is creatine catesis, which measures the breakdown. Like if you have high elevated levels, it shows that your muscles are not recovering. So she did this blood test. She calls me crying. I remember it. I remember the day. It was like December of 2022. And she said, my doctor just called me and said that Oliver has Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. This is just from a blood test. My sister had never been into physical therapy like we had. She'd never been on the same journey as us. She just got this out of nowhere. And they just told her this based on a blood test. So with muscular dystrophy, what happens 
is you have a mutation in the dystrophin gene. And this mutation causes your body not to be able to make dystrophin if you have Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is the more severe type. And by not making dystrophin, you cannot repair your muscles. So when your muscles are not repairing, you have this high level of creatine in your, in your blood, and they can see it from a blood test. And how elevated your level is, they can think from a blood test can tell you which type of dystrophy. So I'm in shock because no one has ever told me this. I've been to like numerous doctors, specialists. I'm trying to keep it together for my sister, who's like completely floored. Because of course, you start Googling it. And life expectancy for kids with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy is like 15 years to 30 at max. You know, here we are with our 10-year-old boys being like, do we have another five years left with them? And so I call my husband, who then, of course, starts freaking out. And I'm like, Jack doesn't have it. This isn't it. You know, and then you feel the guilt. Like you're wishing my son doesn't have it, but my nephew has it. And so we called the neurologist and said, we want this blood test. Because still, we hadn't had a blood test. And he calls that we get it done. And he calls us. I remember we were Christmas shopping right there in Macy's. The kids are with us. My mother-in-law is with us. And he tells us, yes, your son has even higher numbers than my nephew. And he most likely has Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And like, I am standing in a public place and don't know how to process this. And so, you know, we ended up going to Children's Hospital. They have a muscular dystrophy clinic there. And this is all before we've done any genetic testing. They're just doing this from a simple blood test. And when we go to our first meeting, I wasn't able to go in because of COVID protocol. So my husband had to take Jack in and I had to take the meeting from the phone and listen to the conversation. And during the conversation, the doctor starts telling my husband while my son is in the room, you know, you should start looking at getting a one-level house. Um, you really need to think about the next 10 years of your life. You want to get a wheelchair now. Uh, and so, like, we don't even have, like, the genetic test yet. And they're already, basically, I feel like giving my son a death sentence. And I'm in a parking lot crying. My husband's in a, in a doctor's office trying to keep it together in front of our son as he listens to them. And so we left that meeting. We're like, we have to do something. Like, our experience is not unique. I see what's going on with my sister. I see what they're telling us. Because the issue with muscular dystrophy is there's not a cure. It's a genetic disorder that is passed through the X chromosome. The X. So I got it from my mother, who got it from her mother. So I passed it to Jack. So Jack got, so myself... I have my two X chromosomes. One is functioning, creating the right amount of dystrophin. The other one is mutated. I pass that on to Jack. So Jack has the Y from Ryan, the X from me that doesn't produce the right amount of dystrophin. Mm-hmm. Same thing with my nephew, Oliver. We had never seen it in our family. Like none of my uncles, it had never shown up. Well, when we ended up getting our genetic tested, our genetic results back, we found out that it's a mutation they've never seen in literature. It is the first one that has been documented. And where the mutation happens is where you would typically find Duchenne's on the dystrophin gene. The dystrophin gene has, is one of the largest genes in the human body. Um, it has 79 exons. And where Jack's mutation falls is on exon 3. And so they're kind of starting to look at it like, well, maybe it isn't Duchenne's which is the more severe, 
because the way that Jack presents himself and because it was 10 years old at the time we got the diagnosis, they're thinking it's more towards the milder side of muscular dystrophy, which is Becker's. So within muscular dystrophy, there's tons of variations of it. You have, you know, like when you think about other disorders, like the autism spectrum, you know how there's varying disorders. Same thing with muscular And so with Becker's, you do produce soft dystrophin, where Duchenne's you do not, but you just produce a lower level than most people do. So your life expectancy is more like 40. And so what happens with muscular dystrophy, over time, your muscles do waste away. And, you know, a lot of them end up, you end up in a wheelchair towards the later parts of your life. But what really happens is it affects your lungs and your heart. Um, Your heart is one of the biggest muscles in your body. And over time, because it can't rebuild itself as, you know, it's working constantly, your your heart becomes filled with fat. And so part of the reason when we started Strongest Hearts, we were thinking about, you know, helping everyone's heart in a way, you know, like, and the two hearts in our logo is my, is Oliver and my son, you know, so that's where the idea kind of came from. So when all, after we went through all this and we, you know, we didn't know where to turn because there's really no cure. And so my husband and I decided we wanted to start this nonprofit, Strongest Hearts. And the main goal is to fund um, research that we have started, a research grant into CRISPR gene editing to help find a, not a cure, but a means so that these children can have a full life. And instead of producing no dystrophin, you know, they could start producing some so that they can live beyond 15 and maybe into 40, 50, 60 years old, you know. And so what exactly is gene editing? Okay, so gene editing. So right now with muscular dystrophy, there's three types of treatments you can look at. Before I start talking about gene editing, I'll tell you why we decided to go this route. Um, And steroids is the number one. So steroids is what they've been using since they've started treating muscular dystrophy. And all it does, it helps with the inflammation of the muscles. And it's typically used just to try to prolong their life a little longer to try to keep the muscles from breaking down as fast. There are lots of side effects to steroids, uh, high blood pressure, uh, weight gain, um, change in behavior. So that was the first option. And they typically don't start you on steroids until you get a little farther along in the disease. So Jack isn't quite there yet. The second one that's coming out recently is gene therapies. What it does for muscular dystrophy is there's certain deletions on the dystrophin gene. And what gene therapy does is it will target just a specific part that's been either mutated or deleted that's causing you no longer to produce dystrophin. So this is something new that's coming out. There's a couple of trials going on and it would only specifically hit a certain region of the gene. See, editing is what we're trying to do with CRISPR technology is where they would take, it's an RNN and a protein gene Let me see. I'm not a scientist, so I'll try to explain this as well as I can. So basically, they go in with CRISPR, and they can take out, they can replace sections. So with um, muscular dystrophy, what we're looking at is we're targeting areas of the exon 45 through 55, where approximately 60% of Duchenne's patients have their mutation or their deletion. We're also going to be targeting um, exons 3 through 9 and 2 through 7. So what we're going to do with CRISPR is it goes in gene editing and it basically will cut out the mutation and then put in a repaired dystrophin cell 
that will allow dystrophin to then be produced. And so what we're looking at doing is taking those who have Duchenne's and making it look more like Becker's and those with Becker's making it look more aseptical, if that makes sense. Okay. And is this something that would this help Oliver and Jack right now? It Yes. And it could help. Because what I was thinking when you're talking about this gene editing, so, and tell me if I'm off track, but this is kind of how I'm processing it. And when you're speaking is, so for instance, I did IVF and before that I took genetic testing. And uh-huh. so for instance, one of them cystic fibrosis, right? And so if you had that gene, then they would be able to manipulate it in some sort of way. So then your child would not, is that kind of gene editing? Yeah. So the, the group that we're working with, Hunterian, mm-hmm. actually is really far along with cystic fibrosis through clinical, almost to clinical human trials. So they're finding that most, a lot of these disorders that are passed through your genes, they think that this could be the way of the future. So like lupus has had approval recently. They're finding it in Europe that it's working for lupus. Um, there's this uh, just d- degenerative eye disorder that they're finding that causes blindness that has been approved. So this is something that can help with a lot of these genetic disorders. Mm-hmm. And the reason before it hasn't been so prevalent with um, muscular dystrophy is because the mechanism in which they use to get into the gene um, hasn't been large enough for the dystrophin gene. Since the dystrophin gene is one of the largest genes in our body, mm-hmm. they use AVA, which is the anovirus, to be like the vehicle in, and it is, wasn't large enough. So the group we're working with has found a way to get it inside in order to get into the gene. So that's why it's fairly new with muscular dystrophy and it's farther along with other disorders. Okay. And so the research that you are raising money for in Strongest Hearts would be so they would be able to successfully do gene editing for individuals like your son and your nephew mm-hmm. that already have it. And then it would be within the genetic testing for women that are want to get pregnant. Yeah, so we are hoping to target 90% mm-hmm. of those people who have muscular dystrophy is the areas that we're trying these two. So we're, it's going to take, it's different trial, different phases that we're going to be in. Um, we are actually starting phase one right now. So it's in, in a laboratory environment right now, the cellular level we're doing. Okay. Um, and then after that, we move into mice testing. And then from there will be small mammal. And then after small mammal will be like chip, you know, chip testing. And then from there, we can move it to human trials. So we're looking at 24 to 36 months until we actually get to human trials, which is pretty exciting. That is really exciting. And so how far along have you gotten to your goal? So our goal right now, we are trying to raise $645,000 to cover through human trials. Mm-hmm. So it would cover all the trials that we are about at. 500,000 right now. So we're we're getting pretty close. So we have about a, another 145,000 to go to get to our goal. Okay. And then after that, you guys have the green light to try all of this research and testing. Yeah. So Hunterian, who we partner with, who's doing this, um, will then go into human trials, get through all these this, these phases. That is really exciting. It is really exciting. You're very close to your goal. And that kind of comes into why we're chatting is that we're going to be having our event 
on May 13th to raise money. And 100% of the money raised goes directly towards your goal and your research that we'll be having on May 13th at Tommy Joe's from 6 to 9.30 p.m. And you can come onto trumancharities.com. You can also go into Strongest Hearts. Is it dot love or is it? Yes, it's strongesthearts.love. Yeah. Dot love, right. And you can purchase your tickets that way. And we're going to have some amazing auction items just to name a few. I know that we have floor seats at Bruce Springsteen. Um, if anybody knows, I'm a big fan of Boone and Sons, their jewelry. All of my jewelry comes from their engagement rings, wedding ring, all of that. We're going to have a wonderful piece from them. Kevin Hart, who's one of my absolute favorite uh, comedians. Uh, we're going to have tickets at MGM for him there. Three days, two nights in Fort Lauderdale at the Hard Rock. We have that as well. And then, Tanya, you have what? You brought in a six-person at-home dinner as well, right? Yeah. So we have a, a friend who personal chef is going to do a, a at-home dinner catered for six people, free mignon, whatever you want. Then we also have a lovely week stay at Fenwick Island, five-bedroom house. Right when school gets out, we all going to need it. Um, so we have that item. We have a lot of items, and that's just to name just a couple. Um, and we're going to have raffle items and live auction items. And there's a lot of sponsorship levels that we have. So definitely go on there. And with the sponsorship, you get a ton of raffle tickets, plus you get tickets for your loved ones to come too. And so you can learn about Strongest Hearts. And uh, Tanya, how do you see the future of Strongest Hearts? Well, you know, when we get to the end and we know that this is going to be successful, I would really love to help other families in their journey and not have to spend 10 years like we did. Have part of prenatal screening, be testing for this genetic precursors just to, you know, so people know, maybe help people get the genetic testing, pay for that, fund that for them, help people who may need money for um, medical expenses, you know, anything that we could do. I would love to help because I... I understand the journey we've been on and the pain that we've gone through. And if we could help alleviate that for someone else, I think that would be very important. Yeah. And how does your sister feel about Strongest Hearts and you guys founding this organization? I mean, she's very excited. She does a lot of our graphic work for us. She's a graphic designer out in California. And so, you know, she had no hope at one point. And, you know, and I feel like hopefully my husband and I are giving her some hope. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, is there anything else that you think someone should know? Well, if you would love to come to our fundraiser, uh, the doctor is going to be there talking about the process and where we are. If you want to get involved with the organization, if you have your own story you want to tell, love to get you to write a blog post for us or in any way you could check us out on our website. And, you know, my husband and I are the kind of people when someone told us it couldn't be done, we we don't like to listen to that. And that's why we're doing this. How do people follow you? Tell me about your website and your social media handles. So on Facebook, you can find us at Strongest Hearts Foundation. On Instagram, we're at Strongest Hearts FDN. And then you can also locate us on LinkedIn, Strongest Hearts. All right, great. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your story and what you've been doing and being able to explain it in a way that the average person could really understand it and grasp it. So I really appreciate that so much. And then anybody that is wanting to help and you can't make it, that's fine. Go to strongestheart.love and make sure that you can donate there as well and follow them on all of their social media handles. And if you missed it, don't worry, it's going to be in the 
show notes, as well as all the information for you to purchase a ticket to come to our event that's going to be on May 13th at Tommy Joe's. All right. So thank you so much, Tanya, again, for coming on to speak with us. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Truman Charities podcast. Until next time. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, trumancharities.com.